Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Due to the present uh, lockdown conditions, we're coming to you like this. And I believe you are still able to tune in and receive what the Spirit of God has for us in these perilous times. But it's also the same time to lift up your head for your redemption draws nigh. And so get excited and let's glorify this King in the midst of it all. Don't forget, one day at a time is all we need. Hallelujah. God is a faithful God. Thank you, team. Thank you for all your efforts. And uh, we're so grateful. Hallelujah. Let's worship this King because he's worthy. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be your holy name. 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 Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy to receive glory. Worthy to receive honor. Worthy to receive praise. Hallelujah. We worship you right now. We bless you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thou, O Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Thou, O Lord, are a shield around me. You're my glory and the lifter of my head. Hallelujah. 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 You're the lifter of my head. Oh, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Hallelujah, worthy, worthy, worthy. Shele prazele tokoro santo, embreliste refravala yandoro santo, rokushta prazante rebarakama sokorondo, ifrediste. Hallelujah, le prosukarande rebel merefrenti. Thank you, Lord. 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 Le brosutum breviniste brasilucamataste frasiro corama seriente. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Mashese prababal matara de le cosoronto. Ebreliste vragere pereke ze pravolura mazere mande. Hallelujah, la masokura da palma ravrende. Worthy, worthy, worthy. You alone are worthy. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, there's just something about your name. Master, 
There's something about your name. Yes, there's something about your name. Halabashala brandala brakasalam albarakata kasta. Oh, we rebuke every lying symptom. Yes. We break the power of every curse out there in the name of Jesus. We give you thanks for your mercy in the name of Jesus. Wholeness, soundness, welfare, well-being, the tender mercies of our God flowing forth from the majesty on high in the name of Jesus. We give you praise, we give you praise, we give you praise. We bring every other report to naught in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that everything that's required for us to walk with our heads lifted up has been done by you, Lord Jesus. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we'll have uh, Sister Kripa helping us also with the Kannada translation. And so we believe it'll all be great. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Worship you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We've been saying for some time now that based on the foundation or the bedrock of the Lord Jesus being there praying for us as our great high priest, intercessor, mediator, great shepherd and Lord there. We can live from there being assured, guaranteed that it'll all work out, that we will always win because he's there for us. Hallelujah. So, we must uh, continue to look at these kind of verses, first of all, and be assured and guaranteed about them. Because, you know, there's uh, so much of caution also in the words of Jesus while he was on the planet with his grace and mercy, whenever he healed, whenever he made someone free, he would give them some caution also to not continue in that way. Um, so we must often think about Jesus pleading for us, speaking on our behalf uh, from the right hand of majesty on high. Hallelujah. So let's go over to the seventh chapter of Hebrews and read something there before we proceed. Hallelujah. Seven and let's read there verse 25. Praise the Lord Jesus. He says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Hallelujah. Maybe we can hear that also from Sister Kripa. Amen. So notice there that we were saying anytime you see a verse that says he's able 
to do something for us, we just take advantage of that and say, Thank you, Lord, I receive from your ability. Since He is able to save to the uttermost completely all that come unto God by Him, and that He is ever living to make intercession for them, we can be sure that no matter what it looks like, God's mercy and faithfulness will see us through and we will always win. That's why He has such guarantees for us, such strong guarantees for us. The word saved to the uttermost also carries with it the same uh, meaning of the Greek word sozo, which is another word for our salvation. In the New Covenant, we would refer to it as a so great salvation, which involves healing, wholeness, soundness, welfare, well-being, nothing missing, nothing broken. You can see it's a total package of complete soundness, deliverance, and freedom from the Lord Jesus. Those that come to God by Him, He will make sure that His intercession and His prayers and His declaration on our behalf at the right hand of majesty on high, will make sure we're delivered to the uttermost. Otherwise, uh, it would be a very risky life to live when you consider your own effort and your own ability, because, you know, we are fraught with inability and <clears throat> uh, failure, and sometimes emotions just drive us this way and that way. Thank God that we have a high priest the great high priest speaking on our behalf, and we must take advantage of it. Always acknowledge that role of his um, as he speaks on our behalf. So from those kind of thoughts, let's also read some of the cautions he gave, you know, about people whom he had healed. For instance, John 5, in the 14th uh, chapter there, verse rather, John 5 and verse 14, I'll turn there. Praise God. Very interesting uh, happening there. The Bible says this man had received the healing and uh, he had walked away. As you notice, it says in verse 10, The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, it is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. This is the atmosphere into which Jesus has been inserted, place where they have taken the law and decided that the law would save them. It was never designed to be that way. It was just a signpost that would point them towards the Lamb of God that would take away their sin. So on the Sabbath day, he says, <laughs> you're not supposed to carry your bed. And of course, Jesus had answers to all that about compassion for even your own animal falling in a ditch and you would definitely save him on the Sabbath day and so on. You know, different examples are there. But here, <clears throat> it continues, verse 11, He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was, for Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Jesus had just healed him and walked away. And then later on, 
Jesus found him, the Bible says in verse 14, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Notice that, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. So you see a caution there that one should not continue in sin lest it could open the door for something else, maybe even worse. Those are the words of Jesus. Maybe we can hear verse 14 in Canada also. Amen. So there is all of this um, stuff going on there. And we must keep that in mind that uh, in a world where there is so much going on, distractions and uh, lures and temptations, we could open the door ourselves for making mistakes and sin. So it is definitely a benefit that Jesus is praying for us. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Let's look at John chapter 8 also. And notice a similar kind of words of admonition. John chapter 8. And um, we read down there from maybe... Verse 5, it's about the woman caught in adultery. Of course, they did not bring the man. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not, King James says. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. Praise God. Nobody had an answer to that because Jesus knew that the law would not take care of the innate nature, the original sin nature that came from the fall and the flesh and all of that. And so nobody could say that they were free from sin. He is speaking directly there and says, The one who has not sinned cast a stone. And the Bible declares that he goes down and continues writing on the ground there. And they which heard, verse 9, being convicted by their own conscience, hallelujah, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and up to the last, and so the end, the woman was left alone. Then Jesus had lifted himself and saw her, that there was nobody else but the woman. He asked, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Had no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Notice that. Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So you can see here that he is... Uh, left us with that caution that we should not sin. Go and sin no more. Hallelujah. Let's hear verse 11 also in Canada. So you can see we need such a great high priest who is there to speak for us 24 by 7, plead our case, pray for us.
Thank God. Hallelujah. Of course, these people did not live perfect lives after that, but they were told to not open the door. Praise God. And they were healed again and again. Jesus will always heal you, you know, as long as you have that attitude and you acknowledge your sin, he will forgive you, cleanse you, restore you, heal you, and so on. Praise God. And so we look forward to being perfected, maturing, growing up, so that we do not yield to those same patterns of life. Hallelujah. Can you see how much we need this great high priestly office of Jesus? And therefore, today, he speaks on our behalf. We must acknowledge that that is a reality of everything he has done was to be able to sit in the highest place in the universe and speak for us and pray for us uh, and be on our side, not against us. Hallelujah. So um, there are thoughts like that that we must consider. And um, maybe we will spend a little time there today. Let's go again, if we can, to Praise God, Hebrews chapter 7. We should just go back there and see if we can uh, fortify that position and give it more uh, strength. Praise God. Hebrews the 7th chapter, observe that it's a powerful, powerful line of thinking. And um, it draws on the reality of Abraham meeting Melchizedek. Uh, there was no mention of this man before the only account about this man is in the bible praise god you know my desire and i believe yours is to know as much of our god and to get to know him experientially before we meet him face to face hallelujah so that's why we're spending this time so that we can have our head lifted up we can rejoice and continue living on a daily basis Notice verse 1, he says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Hallelujah. If you read the account in Genesis 14, it says that there were nine kings totally, five and four, and, uh, you know, there was a battle that ensued, and so... Eventually, the property and wealth of nine cities was going to be involved in all of that. That would become spoil. Hallelujah. Maybe we can hear verse 1 also in Canada. Hebrews 7, 1. So imagine him now with the spoil. He had uh, armed servants that had grown in his house that he had trained, over 300 of them. And, um, you know, he won. And I would never say that it was because of the servants or the training or any such thing, but because of mercy and grace of God on his life, covenant mercies, you know. So here he is with uh, the spoil and wealth of nine cities, you know. And so the Bible says, on his way there, uh, 
Melchizedek just appears and meets him, returning from the slaughter of the kings. Then verse 2 says, To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. So some kind of introductions are given here about this person, and only the Bible has any information about him, actually. So he just appears on the scene, and the Bible says he's called king of righteousness, Melchizedek. Um, Melek and Sadiq are the two words that are used there. You may have been familiar with the name Sadiq, Sadiq. It's supposed to mean righteous. So Melki, Melek, all of those kind of words are uh, referring to a king, the title of a king. So king of righteousness. So by interpretation, king of righteousness. So this is uh, a king. Um, and then he goes on to say king of Salem which is king of peace and also the old name for Jerusalem. Interesting. So these are the kinds of backgrounds you get out of this. And then it continues, without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. So here you notice that, um, you know, contradictory thoughts can arise. People can say, you know, he didn't have a father and a mother and that he just came on the scene like that. Um, that maybe this is Jesus um, appearing there because he would appear now and then in the Old Testament, uh, not as a man, often as an angel. And as you read your Bible, you'll notice he was there um, as the rock and the pillar and fire and the tree, the burning bush and so on. But um, here he says, notice, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continually. Made like unto the Son of God, abideth a priest continu continually. Now consider how great this man, so he calls him a man, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily they that are the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. So you can see here that he's introducing this person to them, um, to a people who seem to be aware, the Hebrews he's writing to, uh, a people who know the priesthood and certain things about the law. And here he's bringing out this topic of a man called Melchizedek, who they did not know much about at all. So if you remember, he had spoken earlier on in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, about how he had many things to say, notice that, and that they were hard to be uttered. 
what were the many things? The 10th verse in Hebrews 5 says, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So he was talking about Melchizedek. Can you see that? Of whom we have many things to say. Notice that. But you are not able to bear them. For when for the time you ought to be teachers. Remember all of that comes in when you go through your basic doctrine. And so the introduction of this person, Melchizedek, and the thoughts around him were to make the law-conscious people aware of the fact that there was another priesthood that was being now focused on, and the dullness in their understanding will be about that. Because if it could be proven that the previous order of priests has been changed and a new priesthood has begun, then it means the law also has changed, the dispensation has changed, everything has changed. <laughs> but then, notice he said that they were dull, they were not able to understand this, and so he could not say much about it at that point. But later on, he picks it up again from the seventh chapter. So between the fifth and the seventh, he now talks about all those basic doctrines. And, and uh, he says in verse 3 of chapter 6, if God permits, we will proceed from here. In other words, if they would be able to yield, to be taught, to now obey the scriptures and step out and live by faith, you see, these are people who were familiar with Jesus. They were the Hebrews or the Jewish believers, basically from Jerusalem there, the church in Jerusalem. As time went, things changed there and they went back to legalism. So a kind of dullness comes in. So this kind of dullness um, or carnality comes as a result of knowing things and then going backwards. Praise God. Hallelujah. So they ought to have gone further and built upon that, but instead they went backwards, regressed, and so they became dull. That's rather sad. So he was feeling for them, wanting them to be liberated and not become back in bondage to the law. And so this book of Hebrews was written to people who were believers but had gone back into bondage and started following the law after becoming believers. Now that can happen in any church, you know, traditions, bondage, laws, legalisms, all of those kind of things are possible. So <clears throat> the idea of Melchizedek had to be introduced, and that was what he was beginning to say here, that this man came there on the scene, and that <clears throat> he did not have any genealogy among the priests of the law, which came from Aaron and so on. So notice uh, in verse 4 of Hebrews 7, he says, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch, notice, even the patriarch, Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. So here he's beginning to say, you know, this Abraham that you reverse so much, that you respect so much, that you say he's father of the faithful, okay? He gave this man a tenth. 
So how great must this man be? So you ought to know about this man, is what he's saying. You ought to now go and see what does God have to say about this man, actually. See, this is how Paul is bringing in the thought. So let's hear verse 4 of Hebrews 7 in Canada also. Praise the Lord. So he was a man, this man, without a father or mother talking about descent, not that he was without parents or anything like that, but he did not have a descent or a family tree that was connected to the law and the priesthood. So in the Old Testament law, you had to come from the lineage of Levi, the Aaronic priesthood. Otherwise, you could not officiate in any of these areas. Um, it was just not possible. And here, this man is actually a king. And then he comes on the scene and stands there as a priest also. So you see a king-priest combination, which was never possible. And if you interfered into such a place, uh, it would be dangerous. You can see maybe the case of Uzziah in the Old Testament. Um, he's the one that after Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Isaiah 6 says, after Uzziah had died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, sitting on his throne and so on and so forth. That Uzziah. So we will read um, one or two verses pointing to that. First of all, in Second Chronicles chapter 26. Let's go there and see. Hallelujah. And uh, maybe we can read from verse 15. Or 16 rather, Second Chronicles 26 and verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. See, so this is a king here who is now gone in because he's feeling so strong and, you know, everything's good, very self-confident. He decided to go there and transgress against the Lord. And he went into the temple to burn incense upon the altar of incense. So this king now is presuming to be able to handle the office of priest also. Under the Old Testament, that would not happen. And he continues, And Azariah the priest went in after him with fourscore priests. That's a couple of priests there of the Lord that were valiant men, and they withstood Uzziah the king, and said unto him, It appertaineth, it appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth or angered and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. So he's forcing himself there, even though the priests have come in four score uh, to grab him and say, don't do this, it's not right. 
It will not be for your honor. It is going to disgrace you. And while he was wroth, verse 19 continues, with the priest, the leprosy even rose up in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. Suddenly leprosy began to break out, you know, uh, around him from his forehead. And he continues, And Azariah, the chief priest, that's verse 20, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper, verse, verse 21, unto the day of his death, and dwelt in several house, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Interesting. So you can see here that this kind of uh, behavior could not be tolerated. There was just a king and there was a priest, but to be a king and a priest was a special uh, divine order. Hallelujah. Maybe we can read um, <clears throat> verse 16 and then verse 20 also in Kannada. ಆದರೆ Praise God. So you can see how complex it was if you wanted to cross over and be a king and a priest at the same time. There was uh, also uh, evidence that uh, an earthquake happened at the same time and split the foundation of the temple around that time. If you can see in Amos 1, verse 1, it says, The words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which, saw, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, the king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So there was an earthquake apparently that uh, also resulted by him trying to uh, presume the office of a priest at the same time. Very interesting. And a similar line is there in Zechariah also. Maybe we'll read that just to see how important it is. 
to the mind of the Jew, this should be very clear. Very, very interesting. Zechariah 14 also, verse 5 says, And you shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azal. Yea, ye shall flee like as you fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. The Lord my God shall come with all the saints, and all the saints with thee. This is also talking into the future about how Jesus is going to come back and uh, execute certain things on the earth in the future with all the saints and all that. But notice here that the Uzziah case is also mentioned. So um, this man definitely, if they were interested in knowing the truth from the law, they would see plainly that you could not be a king and a priest. And here comes this Melchizedek, who is actually a king and a priest. Very, very interesting. So maybe we can hear Zechariah 14 and the fifth verse also. Glory to God. And then maybe we can read Isaiah 6 also verse 1. Um, I'll read it just to clarify the issue there and see that it's the same person who was, he was very close to Isaiah and it was only after he died that Isaiah um, maybe had to trust more in God because this man was no longer king. Isaiah 6 verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and all of the seraphims and all of that vision. So you can see here that these things are true. And uh, so Paul was using these kind of ideas uh, to people who are supposed to be familiar with the book. See? And so he was comparing the fact that for someone to say that they were now a king and a priest, they had to be a very, very unique individual. And so he had to... Um, begin to bring in Old Testament scriptures and you will not do it unless you are dealing with people who are supposed to know Old Testament scriptures. So let's go to the 110th Psalm, which is um, key in all of these things. Notice there in verse 1, the Psalm of David, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. This was used by the Lord Jesus once when he was talking to people who were supposed to know the word, supposed to know the law. He said, I'll ask you a question. Who is David talking about? The Lord said unto my Lord. <laughs> Amen. Very interesting question. The Lord said unto my Lord. In other words, David was able to have a personal relationship with the Lord even you know, before he came to the earth as a man. Isn't that interesting? The Lord said unto my Lord, referring to the Father and the Son, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And then in the fourth verse he says, 
the Lord has sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. The Lord at my right hand shall strike through the kings in the days of his in the day of his wrath. So here we have verses that are plainly written and Jesus uh, referred to them while he was on the earth so that people get their attention there and think about it. Who is this Lord he's talking about at the right hand there? And uh, how is it about the ordering? Notice there in verse 4, The Lord has sworn and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Maybe we can hear uh, verse 1 and 4 also in Canada. Kartanu nanna kartani ge helide nendare nanu ninna shatru balanu ninna pada pita wagi maduvatanaka nanna bala pashwa dalli kuritukko. Nino endende gu milki jadekana tarada yajakan agidi endu kartanu ane itu nudi didane pashchatta apa padanu. Glory to God. So you can see that it was an everlasting, eternal priesthood. Hallelujah. Wow. It was very different from anything else they had seen. And here it is written very plainly. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. In other words, Jesus has gone into heaven right now. But actually the enemies are still not his footstool. We are here to make sure that the enemy is brought under our feet, which are his feet. And the actual fulfillment of this will happen only when Jesus has that place in Jerusalem where he rules in the millennium, where there will be no Satan or any curse. That's when he can actually rest his feet on that footstool. In other words, even though he's sitting down right now, he's not able to lift up his legs and rest completely. Praise God. So this is going to be fulfilled eventually also. Meantime, we have to make sure as the ones that are left here to bring everything under the feet because Jesus has defeated our enemies. Some interesting thoughts there. Lots and lots of thoughts. Praise God. But um, let's see if we can go back and pick up the thread of thought and see how vital it is to appreciate this priesthood that has been given to the Lord Jesus, and he's now doing it on our behalf. <laughs> wow. You and I have some place in the eyes of God that he is on our side. He's for us, interceding, speaking, using our words, using our faith, and making sure we are going to be 24 by 7 delivered to the uttermost. Notice the eternal levels of that conversation. You know, you're a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So your salvation is an eternal kind of settlement that he's talking about. Hallelujah. This so great salvation that Jesus has offered to us, the healing, the wholeness, the soundness, the welfare, the well-being, have been eternally settled. There's no argument about it. And the door of opportunity to sin and fall and fail is there. And that's why he's praying for us. He's speaking on our behalf, trying to make sure that we are led 
to the right scriptures, to be built up, to be fed, so that we mature and grow and develop and walk away free from all of these things, ruling over these things, dominating over these things. Jesus came to make sure that was possible. Hallelujah. And he has not stopped. He's there praying for us, speaking on our behalf. Hallelujah. So back in Hebrews, the seventh chapter, glory to God, we read verse four. Now consider how great this man, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Verily, they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. But he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed them, or rather blessed him that had the promises. Hmm. So you can see here the argument um, that is coming out of this man who has at least like a double PhD in law, a very interesting person among the ones chosen by God to write the scripture, this great apostle Paul, very, very sharp mind, not many mighty, not many noble are chosen, but God does choose some as he wants. And so he gives him the ability to explain to people who know the law about this different kind of priesthood that was so high that even Abraham recognized the honor that this man was supposed to have that even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoils. So this man came on the scene in Genesis 14 with bread and wine, which are symbols of the communion, uh, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. See, in other words, it's like, hey, I want to remind you in the midst of all of this, what it's all about. It's about Jesus about his death, his burial, his sacrifice, to take your eyes off your strength, take your eyes off your ability or inability, to take your eyes off yourself and consider and remember him, to show his death that it was for us and that all of this is because God has given into our hands our enemies, he has defeated our foes, he has whipped every enemy that could ever rise up against us. God turned the battle and the victory uh, into Abraham's hand. Hallelujah. So he was to be reminded at that point that, listen, this is not your ability. This is not your strength. It was God who made these things happen. And so Abraham, thank God, he tuned in and he honored the man even though he was not asked to do any such thing. This is the first record of anybody doing such a thing, you know, technically. So if you're there in Genesis 14 also, maybe we can take a small dive there. And the Bible goes on as you read. I go to Genesis 14 and it says there, they went out, verse 8, the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, king of Zedboim, 
the king of Bela, the same Izoar, and joined the battle with them in the Vale of Sidim, with Cherdolaomer, the king of Elam, with Tidal, king of the nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, Ariok, king of Eleazar, Elazar, the four kings with five, that's a total of nine. And the Vale of Sidim was full of slime pits, and the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled, fell there, and they remained. They that remained fled to the mountains. They took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah, all the victuals, and went their way. They took Lot, Abraham's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods. <laughs> Praise God. And there came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre about all of these things. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, verse 14 says, he armed his trained servants, born in his own house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. And he divided himself against them. By night smote them, pursued them unto Hobah, on the left of the hand of Damascus, and he brought back all the goods, <laughs> and Lot, and the women, and all the people. Notice that. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedorlaom. So this man has gotten the spoil of nine kings, nine cities. And so Sodom's king comes out towards him to say, let's see if we can get the stuff back from Abraham, you know. But before he can get it, guess what? Melchizedek shows up. So before it could be divided any further, you see, Melchizedek meets him. Verse 18 says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was priest of the Most High God. So you can see there, absolutely written there. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. Notice he's saying, it's God's blessing. It's not your strength, it's not your ability. You are blessed of the Lord, the possessor of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. And he, and he went on, Blessed be the Most High God, who has delivered into thine hand, notice, your enemies, and he gave him tithes of all. So this is a free will thing that Abraham did. He just sensed um, from his honor and his respect for God that this was the right thing to do. He noticed this man is a priest. He noticed the bread and the wine. He remembered that the victory and everything he had came from God. It was God who made it all happen. And so he offered freely. Praise God. Interesting. So it is interesting to notice here that in spite of all of these things being written in the scripture, they were not aware of it because of dullness. You see, the, the Bible has all of the stuff, the life, the blessing, the wholeness and soundness that everybody's looking for is given to us in God's letter, which is alive. You may read various books and be inspired and even have a joy out of it, but I'm telling you, there's no book that is alive, that actually has life, <laughs> that is alive, that goes into the bones, into the marrow, that goes to the very source of your blood, 
that separates your soul from your spirit, that can actually lay bare your thoughts and intents. So these people had become dull because they moved backwards. After knowing things, after understanding things, accepting Jesus from a legalistic Jewish background, they had become believers, but because they would not now go forward and go ahead and teach others and uh, set their heart on the plans of God, they began to now regress and became dull and they became legalistic and they began to go back to the law to see if they could benefit life out of the law, which it was impossible to do. The law doesn't have that capacity, doesn't have that power. Let's see if we can read a line or two out of Genesis uh, 14, maybe verse 10 of Genesis 14. Then we can also read verse 19. Hallelujah. We can read verse 18 also. Glory to God. So you can see how the uh, base is being set properly for the Jewish people to appreciate the fact that this great high priest and the office of the king and priest was a very special place that had never happened before. And by that kind of thinking, he would be able to set them free from legalism and bondage. Hallelujah. So in the seventh verse of Hebrews 7, he says, And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So he was saying, you guys know it without any argument that a person who is greater is the only one who can bless someone because he's greater than him. See, so he's saying here, you think Abraham's so great, but guess what? Abraham was blessed by this man, and he honored this man. So don't you think you should honor this man and think about it, and that divine order that God has given? See how it's coming round? Verse 8 continues, And here men that die receive tithes, but there he, of whom it is witnessed, that he liveth, praise God, and I may say so, Levi also, who received tithes, paid tithes in Abraham. In other words, uh, Abraham was there way before any of the other uh, tribes of you know, Israel came forth, and they were in his loins, so to speak. And if their patriarch would give, then it meant that they also had given through him. In other words, the law priesthood was honoring this other priest here through Abraham. Can you see that? They were agreeing that this Melchizedek's priesthood was higher than theirs, was greater than theirs. Hallelujah. Now you can see how God thinks. God is saying, I have a better priesthood, an eternal priesthood, a 
priesthood that will be able to bring you to perfection, bring you to maturity and minister life to you and make sure healing, wholeness, soundness, welfare, well-being is yours. I am doing it legally. I'm doing it in my wisdom. And I have done these kind of things before. Hallelujah. So it's an interesting kind of thing. When you start reading the Bible, you see he has been doing things and he does them again. And then he makes things new out of these things. Very interesting. But for the mind that would like to think upon his word and his ways, you will get it. If you are seeking truth, if you have a mind that wants to read and understand his holy writings, my God, you will not escape. You will get it. You will understand it. Thank you, Jesus. So let's hear maybe verse 7 and 8 also in Canada. Ashirvada Hondugava Niginta, Ashirvadi Suvavanu, Dodavanu, Embadu, Vivada Villada, Matashte, Into Illi Sayataka, Manusheru, Dashama Bagaganu, Takurutare, Adare Ali, Jivisutidan, and do Sakshivan Diruvatanu, Takurutane. Illi Sayataka, Manusheru, Dashama Bagaganu, Takurutare, Adare Ali, Jivisutidan, and do Sakshivan Diruvatanu, Takurutane. Praise God. Hallelujah. In verse 11 continues, If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron? For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law, for he whom these things are spoken pertains to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And yet it is far more evident, for the after the similitude of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest, who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Wow, hallelujah. I guess we should read verse uh, 16 also in Canada. Atanu Shari Rakavada, Adni and Yamakanusara, Aladin, Nilevada, Jiva, the Shakti Ganusaravagi, Madal Patidane. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19, I read. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath was he made a priest, for those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath, by him that said unto him, The Lord swore, and will not repent, thou art a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. Hallelujah. So here we have an interesting thought. The law could not make anybody perfect. Praise God. Made as plainly. It could not mature you. It could not give life. It was unprofitable. It could not bring you to the destination. It was like, you know, you see a signboard saying, Bengaluru. And you go and park there and you start dropping off the luggage and saying, I've reached Bangalore. But actually, you've not reached your 
destination. That's just a signboard. So the law was like a signboard that they just went and parked there and said, we have arrived. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was supposed to point to their destination, which was Jesus. And all of that was because it could not profit them being defective due to the flesh nature, the fallen nature of man. It would make the whole world to just close their mouth and say, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. So it was required to prove to man that you cannot be saved by yourself. You are a sinner. You see, I've heard people preach very great things out of the Bible without mentioning Jesus. They say that they even have the life of God. You know, just because of the wonders of his creation. But they never acknowledge Jesus really. Because they, they don't know that man is lost in sin and cannot achieve perfection. He is lost, sold as a slave to sin by his forefather Adam. Carnal, sold as a slave. Nobody can pay that ra ransom as long as you're a man. You have to come from outside as a free person and a man at the same time. A perfect man who is not a slave to sin has to pay that price. And there was no one like that but Jesus. Hallelujah. And so by that life, pleading our case today, that perfect one, that royal priest, that great shepherd, that holy one, at undefiled, separate from sinners, in the highest heaven, oh, we are definitely going to be guaranteed victory after victory after victory. Hallelujah. Verse 23 continues, And they truly were made many were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Notice here it is because of his life. The life of the priest is a different kind of life. The Old Testament life was a perishable one. This new covenant priest, after the order of Melchizedek, who was told to sit down at God's right hand. To whom has he ever made such a declaration? So Hebrews 1 says, To which of the angels did he say, Sit at my right hand? A man made to sit at the right hand of God. Wow! Who is this man? Thank God, he's the man, Christ Jesus. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! That's why he has an unchangeable priesthood, because of the quality of that life that he has, the perfect life he lived, the eternal life, God's life that he carried, that he uh, was a custodian of, a steward of, that he kept it properly. It was not infected and affected by anything. He lived perfectly. And only in one case, when he became sin for us, did the Father forsake him? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Let's go to Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, as we begin to think about um, how far we have. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 21, For he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is when... He became sin for us. He took all our sin nature, all our failure, all our curse for us. The Father allowed Him 
to bear it all for us, made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, not even in his thoughts. He did not have that kind of thought, did not infect with any of these things. He was free from it all. And then the Bible says, we were made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. The same fifth chapter of Second Corinthians says, in the 17th verse, the context is still the same. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Praise God. There you are. The new creature is the righteousness of God. The new creature is enjoying the benefit of the very nature and life of God because Jesus became sin for him, curse for him. Every lying demonic thing that they could ever have to face, Jesus bore the price for it all and set them free. Ransom has been paid, eternally settled. And there's Jesus speaking on our behalf, praying for us. Hallelujah. Wonderful Jesus. These kind of thoughts must begin to permeate our thinking as we consider. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's go again. Maybe we can hear uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 in Canada. And uh, verse 17. Glory to God. So in Hebrews 1.13 he says, But to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand, until I make thine enemies thy footstool. So he's quoting the 110th Psalm. This is mentioned more than four times in the book of Hebrews. So you can see that that oath that was sworn by the Father in speaking over the Son and inaugurating Him as a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek was the primary fact that the Apostle Paul was using. Praise God. Very, very powerful thoughts. Hallelujah. Let's go also Maybe we can hear Hebrews 1.13 also in Canada. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I like us to also go to Hebrews 7. I believe you're getting something out of all this. I'm appreciating our great high priest even more and more and how legal uh, matters were settled by our father who is the judge, who is the perfect and righteous one. He found it fit to choose Jesus to be our, our great high priest. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm back in Hebrews 7 chapter. Verse 19 says, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did by the which we draw nigh unto God. In other words, because of what Jesus did, we today, we don't have to be Old Testament priests or high priests who 
with great fear and all kinds of precautions, they can enter into the holy place and the holy of holies once a year or come there in any form with all kinds of precaution. Today we can come boldly. Wow. Because Jesus has paid the price and opened the way for us to draw near to God. Very presence of God. Look at Hebrews, the ninth chapter also. And maybe we'll hear that in Canada. Hebrews 9, verse 24. Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Wow, hallelujah. It's not into any... Amen. So it's not into any handmade creation of this earthly plane or realm, but into heaven itself that Jesus has gone in this superior priesthood for us today hallelujah oh thank you jesus to appear now in the presence of god for us you have someone right now in the presence of god for you right now you're not someone who's hopeless who is without help without a future without an expectation but you have someone there right now and in the very presence of god who has gone there and is speaking on your behalf, inviting you to come boldly to receive all that he has paid for. Praise God, praise God, praise God. With these thoughts in mind, I think we shall make a small uh, detour and go off to the book of Romans. Let's go off to Romans and the fifth chapter and observe there. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. He says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So death has passed upon all because of one, and so all have sinned. Can you see how that has happened? What a sad statement. And so we should appreciate the fact that we became sinners because of our forefathers' sin, Adam's sin. Adam did not hold what was given to him. He did not keep that responsibility. Praise God. Nevertheless, verse 14 says, Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So you could say, I didn't sin like that. I did not do Adam's sin. Why am I a sinner? Death reigned, he said, because it entered into our system through the chain of our forefathers. It has come to each one of us. Death reigned. Notice uh, 5 and 14. Let's hear that in Canada. Nevertheless, death reigned. Did you notice that? <laughs> Glory to God. Verse 15 continues, But not as the offense, so also is the gift, or the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, 
much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. So you can see it was by sin, by Adam's sin, that death has become the dominator, the ruler. And so all are dying. Therefore, if your sin was taken away and that nature is taken away, what happens to death? What happens to the power of death? You can see something. You can see that, therefore, death cannot dominate you like before. You can actually call the shots over death. And you have the great high priest in heaven speaking for you, praying for you, making sure that you are not guilty and condemned and carrying that with you. As long as you can confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness, so that you can remember you are the very righteousness of God. Death cannot dominate you. Sickness is death begun. Death is trying to begin by that sickness. And you don't have to receive it. You don't have to accept it because death has lost its dominion because Jesus took away our sin. Hallelujah. Verse 16 continues, Not as it was by one that sin is the free gift, the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift of many offenses unto justification. 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, notice that by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Oh, glory, 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 glory. Let's hear verse 17 in Canada and rejoice over it. Glory to God. Praise the Lord Jesus. Can you see that now death has to bow to you and your command? You have received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Thank God for Jesus. Abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that you should reign over death. You should reign over sickness, disease and every curse as a king in this life. Praise God. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for that royal priesthood, that king, that priest, that authority that has been turned over to you and me by gift. Notice that the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You now reign in this life, in life by one Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So whatever Adam has done to bring sin, sickness, disease and the curse, Jesus has turned it all around. Hallelujah. And said, now you can dominate over death. You can dominate sickness. You can dominate every curse. As a king, you can rule in this life. Thank God. Thank God. Thank God. So we must appreciate the fact that this new order from Melchizedek's order is that of a king and a priest. Hallelujah. King and a priest. Thank you, Jesus. So we can go, maybe we can hear Second Corinthians or rather Romans 5.17 in Canada, please.
ಒಬ್ಬನ ಅಪರಾಧದಿಂದ ಮರಣವು ಉಂಟಾಗಿ ಆ ಒಬ್ಬನ ದೆಸೆಯಿಂದಲೇ ಆಳಿದ್ದರೆ ಕೃಪೆಯನ್ನು ನೀತಿಯ ದಾನವನ್ನು ಹೇರಳವಾಗಿ ಹೊಂದಿದವರು ಯೇಸು ಕ್ರಿಸ್ತನೆಂಬ ಈ ಒಬ್ಬನ ಮೂಲಕ ಜೀವದಲ್ಲಿ ಆಳುವುದು ಮತ್ತು ನಿಶ್ಚಯವಲ್ಲವೇ your great high priest is the king of kings and lord of lords and he is the great high priest so peter now says in 1st peter 2:9 you are a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood you're a king and a priest hallelujah and holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into the marvelous light into his marvelous light hallelujah which in time past were not a people but are now the people of god which had not obtained mercy but have now obtained mercy wow praise god so we were not even jews and to the jews we just saw him trying to explain you know all these things why are you going backwards why are you becoming dull Why don't you understand Melchizedek? Why don't you understand the priesthood has changed? Why are you still trying to obey laws? It's all over. Perfection has arrived because of Jesus. You are now the righteousness of God. You have become a king and a priest. Hallelujah. Wow. And here we are who were not a people before. We had no clue about all of these things. Thank God you are now a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood you're a holy nation to show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light thank you Jesus you've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light darkness cannot rule you because you out of it hallelujah darkness and death and poverty sickness and the curse cannot rule you you are out of it praise you you've been called out of it praise the lord jesus can we hear maybe those two verses also in kannada kattaleyalagidda nimmannu thanna aashcharyavada belakige serisidatana stutigalannu prakatisuvavaraguvante neevu aayalpatta vamshadavaru rajarada yajakavardadavaru parishuddha janangavu asamanyarada janaru agiddiri Glory to God. ಮೊದಲು ನೀವು ಪ್ರಜೆಯಾಗಿರಲಿಲ್ಲ ಈಗ ದೇವರ ಪ್ರಜೆಯಾಗಿದ್ದೀರಿ ಮೊದಲು ಕರುಣೆ ಹೊಂದಿರಲಿಲ್ಲ ಈಗ ಕರುಣೆ ಹೊಂದಿದವರಾಗಿದ್ದೀರಿ ಥ್ಯಾಂಕ್ ಯು ಜೀಸಸ್ ಲೆಸ್ ಹಿಯರ್ ಅನದರ್ ವರ್ಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ದೆನ್ ವಿ ವಿಲ್ ಸೇ ಸಮಥಿಂಗ್ ಗ್ಯಾಲೇಷಿಯನ್ಸ್ ಚಾಪ್ಟರ್ 1 ದಿ ಥರ್ಡ್ ವರ್ಸ್ ಗ್ರೇಸ್ ಬಿ ಟು ಯು ಅಂಡ್ ಪೀಸ್ ಫ್ರಮ್ ಗಾಡ್ ದಿ ಫಾದರ್ ಸೋ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಗಾಡ್ ದಿ ಫಾದರ್ಸ್ ಪ್ಲಾನ್ ಗ್ರೇಸ್ ಅಂಡ್ ಪೀಸ್ ಗ್ರೇಸ್ wholeness soundness welfare well-being that's all he has for you from god the father and from our lord jesus christ from that heavenly father and son team all they have for you is grace and peace freedom from fears and all other threats you are now free to live and enjoy perfect soundness welfare and well-being that's what god has for you that's what jesus has for you notice verse 4 and he paid for it who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world 
right now, this present evil world in which you are living, this present condition, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Have you seen an Amen right there in the very beginning of a letter? That's very interesting. If you go and start looking and checking, you will notice that Amen usually appears at the end or at the end of a prayer, something like that. But here, by the fifth verse, he's already saying Amen. In other words, this is a summary of all that God has for you. That this is his will, that you are delivered from this present evil world according to the payment, the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus. He gave himself a ransom for our sins to deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. We were saying if you know the will of God and you ask according to the will of God, you know he hears you. Therefore, you have the petition that he desired of you. Now, suppose you came home, you know, to rest after a lot of work and then you found people in there, you know, maybe playing drums and looking like circus men with whips and making noises and dancing there. You just opened the door and saw them carrying on, you know, going like rigiriginga, rigiriginga, woo, 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 rigiriginga, rigiriginga, woo, woo, woo. What would you do? Would you look at them and join them and just dance to their tune and sing with them? Or will you say, hey, all of you, get out. I don't know who you are. You guys are trespassing out of my house. I believe you'll say, get out, out of my house right now. <laughs> That's what you have to do. Anytime the lying symptoms, the voices of the enemy, the symptoms of every sickness, disease and curse, every poverty that tries to hang on to you, you don't just agree and allow them, you drive them out. You say, you are trespassing out in Jesus' name. This is not God's will for my life. This is not God's plan for my life. You are not allowed here. I forbid you. I resist you. Hallelujah. Notice, the Bible says, resist the devil. He will flee from you. You are a priest. You are a king. You have that authority, that holy unction given by God and our eldest brother. And he paid for it in full. It is his will. It is his plan for you. And he's praying for you, speaking for you. He said, you resist the devil. And what will the devil do? He will flee. The devil has no other choice when you resist him. He has to flee. So you have a choice to resist him. You decide, I am not accepting the lies. I'm not accepting the symptom. I'm not accepting the curse. In the name of Jesus, you pack your junk and get out. I'm not dancing to your tune. I'm not singing that song. I am not saying those words. I'm not tolerating that rubbish. It is not God's will for my life. See? And so to be able to stand up again and again and again, day after day, day after day, and take your place and refuse these um, pestilent, uh, moving around peddlers of symptoms and sickness and disease, bringing their trade wear to you again and again and again. It's sometimes very wearying and tiring. People get tired. That's what saints get tired. And sometimes they just quit and they say, you know what, I give up. And they die 
But you and I, thank God, we don't have to. Our brother, our eldest brother, the Lord Jesus is praying for us. And his spirit is giving us the word to build us up so that we may receive the grace of God. What grace has been sent for us from heaven, we may be built up, we may obtain all the good things that he has paid for. Hallelujah. The grace builds us up to obtain, to receive all that he has paid for. This is God's will for your life. This is God's plan for your life. Hallelujah. Maybe we can hear Galatians 1, 3 and 4 also in Canada. And, and 5, sorry. 3, 4 and 5. Hallelujah. I think we should also hear James 4, 7 also in Canada, how we have a choice to resist the devil and he has a responsibility to flee as in terror. Hallelujah. Amen. So my brother and sister, you can see from what we are reading and prayerfully studying that Jesus is our great high priest. Here men that die receive, but there he that lives forever receives. What does he really receive? Here men, mortal men receive mortal or physical things. There he that lives forever in the heavenly realms, he receives heavenly attributes. Your faith, your words, your confidence, your joy, your grace, your peace. He receives those things. So lift up your hands and bless Him, thank Him, praise Him, worship Him that He has given you such a place, that He has appeared in heaven for you, that He's speaking on your behalf. Get excited about what He has done. Rejoice on a daily basis about what He has paid for, that it is His will, that He's hearing your prayers, that it is His will that you are free ransom paid for in every area so you must enjoy it give him thanks that you are confident about it, that he began this good work in you he will bring it to completion he is working in you he is praying for you he's speaking for you wow what a tag team what a combination you cannot lose you cannot fail hallelujah if you like to give now is a great opportunity to give in jesus name as you support his work Expect that the mercies of God will overwhelm your life, that you will always have all sufficiency in all things and abound unto every good work. Thank you so much, team. You are blessed. Hallelujah.